0: Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod is a podcast by, for, and about teachers. It's not a place where we discuss rigor or teaching methods or sell lesson plans. It's simply a safe space for teachers to share their stories, frustrations, and triumphs, and for our listeners to realize, episode after episode, that they're not alone. Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod is sometimes funny, sometimes disturbing,
1: but always honest.
2: Welcome to Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod, two teachers explore the realities of education. This week, we are super excited to have Brett Bigham, Oregon's first openly gay teacher of the year, as our guest. I'm your host, Yo Miss.
1: And I'm your co-host, Mr. E. Yo Miss, how are you doing?
2: I'm good. As you probably heard, we had a big cyclone bomb of a storm on the East Coast here Um, we probably got, I think around eight inches, give or take where I live, where I go running about 40 minutes South of here, they got well over a foot. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. And actually today I, I went out with my yak tracks on my, my cleats and I went for a little walk and run because I'm deranged. So that was my
1: question was, did you go running? And I,
2: I, well, I did. I, uh, yeah, I was a lot more walking than running because I didn't want to die, but yeah, I'm training for a half marathon in April. So I have oh, wow. to, I have to keep going. So, you know, wow. these old bones can't just rest. So, so, and Mr. E, how are you?
1: I am okay. I just did a full week at home, not at work because I tested positive for COVID for the mm-hmm. 18th time, I guess it is now. Like know- a <laughs>
2: I'm starting to get a little suspicious <laughs> of this constant testing positive. Like, it, it's sort of like, I wonder if this is similar to like, you know, when you get somebody else's urine for a drug test, like, are you getting somebody who says- I'm just having like,
1: random kids, just like, hey, cough in my face, yeah. kid. <laughs> yeah.
2: Either that, or you're just like getting somebody else's test results and saying I, like, like, excuse hey, you, you, can you not taste and smell? Can, can I use your test? You know? you know,
1: that I did it at home. It was a home test this time. Ah, and Yeah. And then I went in for another test just to confirm. They're like, yeah, those are usually pretty accurate. So mm. I wouldn't expect a different result here, but I actually had someone from my school meet me on Friday to like deliver all the stuff that had been turned in that week.
2: And how was and it?
1: I, I was floored by how much my students turned in. Like, wow. I'm so excited. Like, I mean, also not because I have to grade all that crap, but yeah, you nice. know, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm very, very, uh, pleasantly su- surprised by by how much they they got got done
2: so wow Do you, yeah maybe maybe they fear your response when you come back tomorrow
1: <laughs> well it's actually a uh, home pd day tomorrow
2: oh so. so you don't go to work tomorrow either nope <laughs> you ever go to work wow
1: apparently wow. not yeah you
2: know it was and- a good week. I don't want you telling people these things because you know how people talk about teachers and like they never do anything and like here we are, you know, like I don't go to work. So I, I think we need to keep that, keep that on the low.
1: Okay, well then, after after we record this, we'll re-record a new intro where I talk about all the work that I did and all the to- all the hours that I put in after school. And
2: that's fine. Yeah. We can do we can do that. I think yeah. I think that's the way to go. <laughs> Great. Okay. All right. So we have with us today a teacher who actually does work, um, <laughs> as opposed to Mr. E and myself, who is retired. So I really don't work as a teacher anymore. We're really excited about this. Our guest is Brett Beckham. And I'm not going to say anything else other than welcome. I guess a little information. As I mentioned in the intro, Brett was the 2014 Oregon Teacher of the Year, 2015, I believe the be NEA, maybe there's some other award given, but but it was of course not without controversy. And we are going to hear all about it today in, in this amazing and really disturbing story, but that has a happy ending, however. So Brett, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thank you for having me. And I also have a PD day tomorrow.
2: All right. (laughs) So, okay. So you two have PD days, me, the retired teacher who's working as a, a tutor and an ADHD coach. Okay. I have Uh, a coaching assignment tomorrow, a coaching session, and I also am tutoring tomorrow. So basically, the retiree is putting in more, you know, face time (laughs) with people than you guys. Okay, that's just, uh, I'm going to go cry now. Okay. (laughs) All right. How's it going, Brett?
0: Oh, you know, it's good. I I should probably preface everything I'm saying by sharing with you. I have a concussion uh, in school this week. So um, any funny answers I give, I blame on that.
2: Oh, wow. How did, okay. you get, how did you get a concussion?
0: Well, oh, you know, it's my second one in two months. Um, I got need in the forehead this time.
2: Wow. wow. Yeah. I was going to ask I you do. if you were playing football or something, but.
0: I work <laughs> at a school for students who have a lot of behavioral needs in the support area. So we often will have students who haven't been in school much or in crisis. And mm-hmm. right now, I just got several new students who basically have never been in school before.
2: Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's tough. And it's tough to get kicked in the head as well. It's, I worked in a uh, autistic preschool program in my first, my very first job in education. And I remember trying to like dodge out of the way of like flailing and also uh, biting was a big, a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never got bit, but came close a couple of times. So Yeah.
0: Well, I wish I could say that, but I can't.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you're in trouble when they say, uh, are you up to date on all your shots before you start working? Oh, uh, mm. you know. So, <laughs> All right. So, Brett, why don't if you could, if you could give us and our listeners a little background about, you know, your teaching and your life before the teacher of the year situation and, and what you were doing then.
0: Sure, you know I'm I'm a a little bit different than most teachers. It's my second career, so I had been out in the world working as a writer for several years and took a job as a substitute in California. They had a big shortage of teachers, and this was in the very early nineties. Okay, and I subbed for a couple months and got called into the office. I thought, oh, oh, I'm in trouble, and -hmm. they actually said, you know, you've been evaluated really highly everywhere you've been, and we have a classroom without a teacher, and we're going to put you in that classroom. So I had a couple months of substituting experience, and suddenly I was the new special education teacher at the Cathedral City Elementary School in California. Oh, wow. Wow. No training, no training at all, and kind of just wandered into it blindly, and it was the perfect job for me. I just absolutely loved it. Uh, It was very difficult because I didn't have the training, but... I grew up with a brother who had some uh, issues going on and as a kid I had always had to manage my brother's moods. I'm six years younger than he is but you know you get pretty adept at keeping people on an even keel.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know sometimes when you grow up with a sibling who's got some of the issues we might see in a classroom. So I just stepped into this room with all these kind of mad skills. My brother and you know taught me over the years and the job that was so difficult for so many people just wasn't difficult for me. The, the kids, they just really took to the way I teach and I don't rarely ever raise my voice. It's really hard to get much out of me besides a smile and a let's, let's try it again, kind of attitude. And I just, I was very lucky. So I, I did that for only a year and mm-hmm. then went back to school. I got a master's degree in special education and then started working in the regular schools here in Portland.
2: When I was doing my minimal research, because I wanted to hear more of it from you than than, uh, from the internet, I did see something about ability guidebooks that I found really fascinating and also just very heartwarming. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Oh, yeah. I could talk about those all day long. (laughs) I Um,
2: could understand that.
0: So I'm not talking about every person who's autistic, but there are some people with autism that have a really difficult time going out into new experiences, be it a place or just, you know, going somewhere they've never been before, uh, that that's an event, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I had a student come to me who exhibited something we call self-injurious behavior, which is when they start hitting themselves when they're uh, very anxious. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got the student who had gone home 34 times the year before I met her for self-injurious behavior. So things happened at school and her way of dealing with anything new was to uh, beat herself up. And it was heartbreaking, just heartbreaking to see. And the year before she had lived very close to home. So mom could come pick her up in about five minutes. So Mm -hmm. they had always just said, well, we don't intervene. We'll just have mom come get her. Mom will take her home. Well, the new school with me was uh, 30, 35 minutes away from home. So, that ability to whisk her off to home where she felt safe no longer existed. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: one of the first weeks with me, she got very upset about having to go out of the classroom and started hitting herself. And um, so I have a dog, by the way. She's I was going to say, <laughs> I, I, I was listening and
2: I'm like, is that my dog? Or like, whose dog
0: is that? That's fine. That was mine. Sorry.
2: Um, <laughs> No, don't apologize I'm sure mine will bark at some point
0: also so this this one day she had her first meltdown with me and it was um it was so painful to watch let alone what it must have felt like for her
2: mm-hmm. and
0: I couldn't I couldn't let it go on I had to call her mom and say you know I know that we've all agreed we don't intervene but I I can't let her beat herself up like this there's got to be a better way to get her through this really emotional time. And I just started going through my head and trying to think of everything I knew that might work. And it came down to um, social stories, which are often used with autistic students to explain a situation. And they have rules when you're a social story, they have to be about a specific person. And I decided what I needed for my student was a similar thing, but about a specific place. So our program went out into the community every Friday. So every mm-hmm. Friday was a potential meltdown for the student. And after the second meltdown, I put in place the an ability guidebook, which is what I called finally came up with later. But mm-hmm. what happened is we were gonna go ride the tram here in Portland, we have a tram that goes from the hospital up on the hill down to the riverside so we were going to ride that tram mm-hmm. so i went the weekend before i took all the pictures of every step you know this is the line you stand in. this is the machine you get your ticket from and every step had its own photograph mm-hmm. and we studied that book and we studied that book all week long looked at all the different steps in the pictures and friday came along my student went on the outing came back and it was just like uh, nothing just just going on an outing like every day kind of thing. And it was so amazing to see this student who lived almost in a cage because the behaviors were so extreme that the family just couldn't get out very easily. Mm And she went on this outing and came back. And so I started making one of these books for every week, every Friday, Mm -hmm. and we had no more trouble. So Uh, 34 times a student went home the year before I got her. She went home two times the first year I had her and one time at the end of the year, that was kind of unrelated. So three times. And I had her for three years total. Wow. Only three meltdowns in three years. That's amazing. Her parents came to me at the end of the first year and just said, our life has completely changed. We can go places now. They'd never been able to go anywhere with their daughter. And, they said, we want your help. We are going to go on our first family vacation and we want you to make some of these books for our trip. And I'll do anything for my students. So I said, oh, of course, where are you going? You know, thinking Crater Lake sounds good or maybe the coast. Mm-hmm. They, they were flying to Hawaii. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so
2: Go big or go home.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I made books. But you know, the modern internet handed me the tools I needed. I was able to go in and find people's vacation pictures from when they were inside their Aloha airline jet, which was the same plane that my student was gonna fly on. I could get pictures of the inside of the plane full of people with all their bags and all the craziness that goes with, with travel. I was able to show her everything that was gonna happen in her trip. And then they they went on their trip and I didn't hear from them for you know 10 days and was so worried and they came home and I, I was like, well, how did it go? And they just said, there wasn't a single issue. She knew what to expect. She wasn't worried. We had the best vacation. Wow! So this student now who, when I met, lived in that very small, small existence with very little freedoms now has a job. Mm. Um, She is doing absolutely fantastic. Her family can travel all the time. She doesn't need the books anymore. She needed enough to get her through some successful trips so that then she could rely on her own experience after that yeah. mm-hmm. and w- what happened with me was after seeing how well that worked I, I took all the books I'd made for her so there's I think about 15 for Portland I put them online It says, well all the other teachers that you know are going on field trips they could use this and I, I put it out there to share and Um, I hear from a lot of like kindergarten and first grade teachers. They work like really well for younger students going to a museum for the first time or Mm -hmm. Um, they have this double purpose, which I didn't expect, but I'm grateful that it's there because it brought a lot more attention to the books because more teachers could use them. And it was soon after that, that I was named teacher of the year for the state of Oregon. And that was part of why and Mm -hmm. what happens with, teacher of the year I I thought I won a little prize and maybe I'd get some school supplies but you actually you are given a a second job you're like hey you're now the representative of education for your state and I did 179 events my first nine months as teacher of the year wow (laughs) it was crazy I had no idea but they were sending me to all of these I was going to DC all the time and so I just kept making books if I went to DC and had a chance to go to a museum I'd go to the the museum i'd make a book and mm-hmm. i've continued to do that since then and at this point there are over 170 of these books mm-hmm. there are 40 different countries and people have stepped up and translated so there are books in six languages and they're all free wow. online any family that needs them and it's you know i started them for my kids but you know, when you are a 60-year-old person with these same issues, there are very few supports for you out there, but my books work just as well for anyone, no matter what age. Mm -hmm. So This opportunity to, 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 it's an invitation to people who are autistic, but also it's an invitation to their family to say, you know, everybody's welcome here. And we know that you might have a few extra needs to make this trip successfully. And here's one attempt to, to help. And
1: that's what those books are, just a chance to help. You know, and what I find so so amazing about that, and, and, I, and if this sounds like I'm minimizing the effort that's put into this, I, I, I hope it doesn't come across that way. But really, it's just a, it's a preview. Here's some pictures. Here's an explanation of what you're going to see and what's going to happen. And that's it. Like That's, that's incredible how helpful that can be for, for someone who doesn't know. It's so simple. And you know, there is a lot of research out there
0: that shows that pre-teaching a field trip means that the students learn a lot more on their field trip, especially if they have photographs of where they're going. Then they're not spending all their time looking at the building and the new environment. They've seen some of that. So it's not all new to them, and they can focus a little more on what they're actually there to see rather than everything else that's, you know, kind of uh, the busyness of a museum and things that they might not expect going there like the big crowds or this chance to see some of the pictures in advance help every student general ed everybody so this is just taking it to a little bit you know, deeper level
2: mm-hmm. and you're right it it's can be helpful to you know even just a student who's nervous about going on a field trip just because they're nervous about it, not necessarily, you know, has uh, any sort of learning challenge or anything like that. It's just, it's a, a a great way to familiarize them with what they're going to be doing and what they're going to be facing. It's it's, And I just love the empathy that you have for these students that, you know, that you couldn't imagine what it felt like for her to go through all this and just, you know, putting yourself in there and then just saying, well, what might help? What, what might do the trick it's just you know when i read about it i was just uh, like oh this is so cool you know it's just it's great really well it's um
0: it's not rocket science because we do have all of that research about you know how to teach about going to new places and field trips mm-hmm. There's a lot of information out there but really what i was hoping to do is whatever communities i visited i was hoping i could make an example so that you know if i'm only in utah for one day but i can make one little book someone else in utah might see that and say hey if we had five of these for salt lake city that would be enough you know for like all of our field trips for the whole year mm-hmm. that's my hope i'm, I'm hoping I'm, I'm planting you know that little seed and that's why i've done so many in foreign countries i thought you know there are some places that don't have many supports for people with special needs and these are are free you know there's there's very little you've got to get there and you've got to take the pictures but you know i'm now doing uh, the reason there's 40 countries, I have not gone to 40 countries in the past five years, but I'm able to go on Flickr, and for some of the easier to visit places, there's a lot of tourist photos on Flickr that are free usage, so I can use them. Same with Wikipedia, and I can go in now and I can create books for places I've not been to, and I can create place uh, books for places that I went to a long time ago. And that I have an understanding of how the layout works and everything. And then I can use other people's pictures to fill in the story. So it's become this community effort. I have people who have offered pictures from different places. I had a, a mom who's Italian step up. She has a couple kids with autism and she translated almost all the books that I did in Rome into Italian. Wow. So <laughs> my versions are English. That's all I speak. But by having people from the local community or my husband is a linguist. He's had, he's translated a couple too. I can, I can uh, make him beg and <laughs> bad and get a Spanish book out of him. every. That, week seemed,
1: that seems handy to have around yeah, as a teacher. Yeah. Is <laughs> very
0: actually. Um, I, he knows where every word comes from and the basis of every word. So I can say, how do you spell this? And he's like, Oh, it's a it comes from Latin and he knows the whole history of the word. And, I very rarely make grammatical or spelling errors, but not because of my
1: own skills. but because of <laughs> Very nice. Very nice.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, so, you know, just continuing on with your, with your story. So, you know, you were teaching, you're doing these books, and then you were given this honor of having a second job as the Oregon Teacher of the Year. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and about what transpired after that?
0: Um, yeah it's uh, it's interesting because you know there's every state and territory chooses a Teacher of the year every year. so you're a representative for a year. it's an incredible honor. My state has 45,000 teachers or did the year I was chosen. so to be put at the top of your field like that is this incredible honor. but then what comes with it is you know the White House honors. So the Teacher of the Year is honored at the White House and wow. to to be in that kind of a situation, was mind-blowing to be honest with you Um, i never thought i would be chosen as the teacher of the year i'd been nominated and i talked to my husband about it i said you know there might be some people who don't like an openly gay teacher of the year there could be a lot of ugly that gets attached to this and we talked about it and just decided well it probably won't happen they had never picked a special education teacher before so i'm i think i'm oregon's 55th or 56th teacher of the year And I'm the, uh, there's been another one since me, but at that time I was the only special ed ed teacher. So I did not expect (laughs) it.
1: Which seems so crazy to me that it's never happened before. That just seems so counterintuitive. Well,
0: you know, it, to, to be honest, it's part of the system and special education does not get recognized very often. And there are are a lot of reasons for it. Some some of those reasons are not good, You know that we're ignored and our students are ignored. It does happen. Other things are a lot of times prizes and awards will go on like how many people call in and vote for that person, or having a student who has the ability to like say, my gosh, my teacher was so awesome, I'm going to do a nomination. We don't have students a lot of times that can do that sort of thing. That's true, yeah. So we kind of end up working as islands, Special education is kind of an island. And um, so I, I just thought I was on my island. I'd be safe on my island. And <laughs> I wasn't going to be teacher of the year, but I, I knew I'd get a couple boxes of supplies, which are always nice when you're a teacher. And mm-hmm. I even went to my superintendent and I said, you know, I'm openly gay teacher. There could be some issues. And she was insulted. I would even think such a thing.
2: That
0: mm-hmm. she's like, why would that matter? And I'm like, well, you know, it does. It does matter because. Mm-hmm. I had been up for a prize previous to this that got some kind of negative feedback. So I, I knew what to maybe expect, but what I didn't expect was for the hate that I got thrown my way to come out of my own district. Um, I live in Portland, Oregon. It's the mm. most poll voting uh, place in the United States. Oregon gets an extra congressional seat because we are so uh, democratic in our voting that we've been rewarded that way by the democratic party so we have a history of being very open-minded here so it was a, a bit of a surprise when I won what I didn't expect was after giving my very first speech my supervisor came to see this and this is my past supervisor mind you this is a district I'm no longer with so when I say my district I mean my old district when i gave my speech i mentioned my uh partner and thanked him you know for not only supporting all the good work i do but also for funding a good portion of it you know my my husband has never once said you're spending too much at school you know mm-hmm. he's always like what else do you need for your class so i said thank you in my speech and following my speech my phone rang and it was my supervisor and she said I'm going to quote pretty much, it's not direct, but she said, you need to shut your mouth or someone's going to shoot you. And I said, what? And she said, <laughs> I mean, if you say you're gay in public, someone is going to shoot you in the head. And
1: was the Lawrence, implication there that like, it would be some like, was this a threat or was this a, a, like a, a warning that like some crazy or, out there is going to do this. Right. Like, was or? she
2: trying to protect you or
0: that's all, all been up for debate for quite a while. Um,
2: okay. This,
0: this supervisor who did things like once in a meeting with my whole staff said, well, my hairdresser says that gay men are promiscuous, so you must be promiscuous. Wow. In oh. a meeting at my school with <laughs> all of the people who work underneath me um, and that I supervise. So I expected craziness from this woman. My God. At the time, I took Whoa. it as her just being over the top. But what I found out later after it was investigated that she actually did return from the speech to the district and was telling people I had to be stopped. I was gonna destroy the district. There must be a way to shut me up. So she began a plan on how to get me. Luckily for me, the plan was put into writing. Um, Mm -hmm. For me is that once the district saw that these plans, that the orders were in writing, they decided to go after me. Because if they could destroy my career, they would not get in trouble for what she had ordered. So I'll I'll tell you what my written, these are written orders. State had a copy. They're in the investigatory papers if someone wants to do their homework. But my written orders were I was not allowed to say a single word 24 hours a day, seven days a week, unless she had approved of every single word coming out of my mouth. An impossible order, of course, but it didn't matter. I was being put in a position where anything I said was now violating uh, her rules. Right. I was told I could not write anything without asking permission first, and then I could write it and give it to them, and they would decide what would happen with it. Uh, An interest, you know. I was asked that week for an interview by the New York Times, and was told, "No, you cannot do the interview with the New York Times because we don't know what they're going to ask you." Well, because I wouldn't provide my answers. And I said, well, I don't know what they're going to ask me. And they said, well, then you can't do it. The third order was I was not allowed to speak to any person or group unless she approved of the person or the group. The first time they denied me uh, a visit was to speak to a high school group about teen suicide prevention. And they sent me an email that said, you are not allowed to meet with these students meeting with these students has no value to this district. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> so that was order three. And the fourth one is the best. I saved it for last. And that was-
2: Oh, uh, it gets better than this?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was ordered that I would bring all personal mail ingoing and outgoing from home for her to open and read to make sure that in my private mail, I was not saying something that she did not approve of.
2: Now, clearly- all of, all of these really are clearly a violation of your rights. And as long as, even if you spoke during the school day or as, as a teacher, as long as you make it clear that you're not speaking in representation of the district, but representing yourself, you are in the clear. So every single thing she said in those, in those orders are, are illegal, basically.
0: I actually went home after the, the meeting and shed a few tears. And uh, the next day, I actually tried to resign my position. Hmm. Was at that point, you know, just a couple of weeks before heading to the White House for White House honors. And I just decided I can't, I, I will not be treated like this. I, I won't have my rights of free speech taken away from me without putting up a fight, or at least, you know, I'm going to walk away rather than be somebody's puppet. So I resigned and the response I got was you, we won't accept your resignation. You've signed a teaching contract. If you don't fill it, we're gonna go to the state and try to get your license taken away. Probably an empty threat, but there I was at this moment. and, And actually, no, I shouldn't say that, not an empty threat. The school district did not give me empty threats. They threatened me constantly and they followed through on all of them.
2: And honestly, they can actually do that. Like I know, I don't know, know, every state is different, but I know in New Jersey, when I was retiring, I was told I had to give 60 days notice when I retired, when I resigned my position. And if I didn't give that 60 days, they were going to lift my license only for a year, but they would. So it's, it's pretty common. It's also
1: a pretty common thing here in in Arkansas. And I, I think Texas as well, Arizona, depending on, you know, the circumstances. Right, right. Well, my circumstances were I was not willing
0: to give her my mail.
2: Yeah, that's so <laughs> but, fucked up. I just, I can't even. I well, just.
0: I I did take in mail, so that after they didn't take it in, I thought, you know, I had just had the absolute honor. Hillary Clinton was in town. I invited her to my classroom. She invited me to an event. I got to have a private meeting. No semi-private meeting with Mrs. Clinton. I got a portrait with her. And we just had a chance to talk about special education. It was just a lovely, lovely moment. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: I had invited her and when I got the message she can't come, but she'd like you to, you know, come to her event, I expected just to go see it. I didn't expect any time with her. I didn't expect a photo with her. But what I really didn't expect was when she saw me, she went, "You, you're the special education teacher." And she had, at that point, there were some news about my room. NPR had covered my classroom and uh, you know some other things, and she had read everything. She knew every article that, that had come out about my class and she had read them, and she was ready to talk to me about my classroom on an informed wow. level. And I wow. have never been so impressed by a politician, as I was at that moment, because she did not need to do that. This was an event with a very fancy reception, people had paid 1000s and 1000s of dollars to be at this reception. And I was kind of the country mouse, you know, I was invited um, on on my merit. And there were people there who had very deep pockets who would love to spend some time with her. And she wanted to talk about my students. So that was lovely. But one of the pieces of mail that I turned into my district was the thank you. To Secretary Clinton, as well as a, a letter to Secretary Arnie Duncan, who was the sitting Secretary of Education, so I actually did take in my mail to my district because I wanted them to open that letter. <laughs> I really wanted them to open hillary clinton 's private mail that our our district was an outgoing mail source, so I actually put them in the outgoing mail and they removed them from the outgoing mail. all federal offenses. Wow. Um uh,
2: yeah, yeah, they're not a lot to tamper with your mail. God. Although honestly, I would have I just would have brought in my junk mail. Yeah. Like I would have been like, "Here, look. <laughs> I can Here's all my groupon mail, you know. Here you yeah, go." Yeah,
1: and and <laughs> the, the the petty the petty asshole in me would just be like, "I'm I'm going to order every every like just asinine magazine and subscription and just <laughs> and just bring in yeah, like you said, just junk."
0: Well, no, junk John- I figured junk wouldn't get them in much trouble, but opening uh, the secretary of education's letter might. So I, mm-hmm. I went ahead, I followed the order I was given, but they did, they ended up not opening the person that they ordered to do it refused and then took an early retirement to avoid it. And after waiting for my mail for several weeks, I just walked into the office. I said, I can quote myself pretty much. I said, I was raised that you send a thank you note within two weeks. And I said, these are going out today. And I just, Pick my mail back up out of their stack and took it off and mailed it and just said, "Well, they can come get me if they want, but what what can you do? I I was just not going to play that game and let mm-hmm. them hold on to my mail the entire year, which is probably what they would have done." You
1: know that that raises a question for me. You said that the person that they wanted to open your mail and and read through all that refused and took an early retirement. Were there? Other people who in your district who stood up for you or really made it clear that they were in your corner, or was it just kind of you against the, the whole district.
0: Well, I had my union, the Oregon Education Association, I will tell you, they. They fought so hard for me, and mind you, and just for you know to get all the info out there. I was so 2015. I was named the Educator of Excellence for the state of Oregon, which is a union award where they choose one union teacher to represent the entire uh, union as someone doing best practice for the state. So I went from one to the other. So one one award followed the other. So 2014, I was the state teacher. 2015, I was the Educator of Excellence, and. Uh, also during that same time, I was the doing a global fellowship and going to Peru as a representative of educators in the United States. So
2: um,
0: I had all of these things going on and the union had a stake in me at that point. I mean, the union treated me as the most valuable teacher they've ever had. And I don't know if they treat every teacher like that, but they came into the battle to help me with I was going to say guns are blazing but I try not to use too many gun references. But, <laughs> you know, the union came in, but it wasn't just that. I mean, I got such incredible support from the community, but so much of this was hidden. I, was not, I did not go public with this. I decided when it all started that I figured as soon as Teacher of the Year was over, they would let me go. As soon as December 31st happened and I was a nobody, they would let me go. Mm-hmm. And um, then I got the union award. So I was like, Oh my gosh, oh, you know shit. am I stuck here another <laughs> year? Oh, yeah. And you know, the, the district didn't fail in being petty and, and trying to hurt me as much as possible. Uh, December 31st came and the first week of January. So in the first 10 days of school, after I was done being teacher of the year, I had 32 warnings from my supervisor that I would be terminated if I didn't have this specific thing done by 330 that day. Some of them were insanely ridiculous. The the photo here, so there's my portrait with President Obama. I brought one of I brought a copy of that back and I put it up in my classroom for my students to see.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I was told if I did not remove that picture by 330, I would be fired. And, I'm, and it was, but what? I, had, I had 32 orders like that in just 10 days. So they were actively hunting me, but I, I did not go public. I did not file any complaints. I never sued them. Everybody thinks I sued them, but I did not. Mm-hmm. But finally, what they were doing to me got back to the Department of Ed in Washington, DC, and they contacted the state and the state contacted the union and the union contacted my district. And that's how they found out kind of the the whole big circle how the union found out about it um but I ended up going through this period of time from uh from May 1st which was when I was in Washington DC up until September before I really talked to the union so I went I went nine months before the union was involved and Mm -hmm. what what kind of ended up happening is I was well I was at the White House honoring ceremony and they asked if there was anybody who wanted to you know, come out and advocate for their students, and you're standing there with the International White House Press Corps, wanting to hear about the specific needs of your students and what work you're doing for them and At that point, I felt like I was juggling two balls i'm I'm advocate for people with special needs, but also as a gay person. Mm-hmm. I know that these LGBT youth have high suicide rates and that they need to see people like them in normal everyday jobs like a teacher and I had been told if I said I was gay in public, I'd be fired at that point. So I was told that by my district and that I was not allowed to say anything unless they gave me their permission. And standing at the White House, I just, I, I tapped the, the teacher from Minnesota and the teacher from Georgia were right in front of me. And I said, pardon me, ladies, I'm coming out of the closet. And yeah. I stepped down to the microphone and I made a statement about anti-gay laws that were passing and how they are injuring our students and that I was proud as an openly gay teacher to be one of the first teachers of the year who was openly gay. And I basically declared war in my school district, but I did it from the steps of the white house.
1: Nice. Which. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like if, if you're going to do it, that's, that's the time, right? Like, because you've got literally the entire White House behind you. Like, it's amazing.
2: Like, I want to, st- I, I, like, want to stand up I and know, clap I know. Like, right I'm so, like, like <laughs>
1: inspired right now. But
2: there's more. <laughs> but there's, there's more.
0: There's a reason, too, that, that that moment is the moment that it happened. And that um, when I was 15, my best friend came out to me when I was in high school. And he went home. And that weekend, he killed himself. Mm. And I know the suicide rates. They are burned into my head. I know how many young people are taking their lives, and I know that they say 30% of all teen suicides are gay youth, LGBTQ youth, and I think that is uh, bull stuff. I don't cuss. I keep PG 13 because my students often are hunting me down, or people are. So I, I keep my mouth clean. Sorry, but yeah, you're apologize.
2: good. <laughs> we should apologize.
0: I think those suicide numbers are just are a made up number that we use. But the simple fact is my friend killed himself and he didn't tell anybody about his sexuality but me. So he's not one of those statistics. And the only youth that are counted in their statistics are the ones who say I'm gay. And then they kill themselves. Mm -hmm. The ones who say nothing, those poor rural kids growing up with families that they know will disown them if they come out as gay, they're killing themselves without ever telling anybody. So we know 30%, but I really think it's probably 50% if it's not higher mm-hmm. because, well, my heart tells me that that's right. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I do, I'll do. argue those numbers with anybody, but you know, it comes down to LGBTQ youth need to see people that they see themselves into, and they need to see them alive and they need to see them at 57 with their white beards and they need to know that they have a future and that's what happened you know at the White House I said this is people are going to see me with my husband and they're going to get the message whether I say anything or not so at the White House I said something but returning back to Oregon Mm. things got a little out of hand because at the time Oregon was trying to get a ballot measure passed for gay marriage Uh and 17 days after the White House the law was overturned in Oregon and suddenly gay people could get married. And my partner and I had been waiting a long time. And we'd actually almost got married in DC uh, on the 1st of May when we were there and decided, no, we will wait until we can marry in our own state because we pay taxes. We support our state. I am a representative of all of the educators and students in my state, and I should be able to get married there. Mm -hmm. So we didn't do it. We went home and They changed the law and Mike and I headed down that day to the courthouse and the press met us there. Wow. So I should point out here that my husband is extremely shy. He, when I met with Hillary Clinton, he was invited and I said, are you going to come? And he said, why would I do that? And he stayed home and read a book because he didn't want to be in the center of any of this attention. Very, very, very shy. So we end up going to buy our wedding license where you stand in line just to pay your $50 and fill out the form with Mm -hmm. someone with a camera filming and a still camera taking shots the whole time and a news reporter following us and they followed us to where we were to the venue where we were going to have the little service and while we had walked because it was close so we're just walking down the street with a film crew and a photographer and (laughs) um we get there and the, all the other press realized who I was and forced their way into the room. So there's 15 TV cameras and I'm under this order. If I say I'm gay, I'm public, I'm fired. And I let Mike decide. I said, Mike, you know, this is your choice. And bless his heart. He just said, I have been waiting so long to marry you. Let's do it. So
1: Aww.
0: poor Mike, you know, we got married in front of basically on live television. <laughs> The Oregonian, which is our big paper here in Portland, had 45 pictures on their website the next day. And we, we were able to send this huge message mm-hmm. that, you know, that the, the teacher of the year is, that's his husband. And we didn't mm-hmm. have to say anything, just the pictures of us together. And as you see in the story, how things keep snowballing. I'm literally crying
1: uh, now. <laughs> Aww. Aww. I'm
0: not to the sad part yet. <laughs> so, so I'm supposed to write. So it's, this is now mid-May, and I had gone to the Rose Festival, which is our big city festival here. That every year there's a giant parade, and it's the biggest thing in our city. And I had gone to them when I got to the award and said, "You guys have never done anything for people with special needs. Can I help make it happen?" And they embraced me. They were like, "Yes, yes, yes." You know, what can we do? Come in. We had meetings. They had their first special needs events ever. But then they uh, said, you know, we've never had the teacher of the year ride in our parade. Would you do that? And I said, yes, you know, I'll do that. And it seemed like a crazy thing to do, but I was like, yes, I will do that. And then Mike and I got married and we got the phone call that we would like you and Mike to ride together. You'll be the first gay couple to ever ride in the parade as our honorees and or Mike Who's so shy.
2: I was going to uh, say, poor, shy Mike. Now is going to be on a float in a parade. <laughs> I mean, that's like the thing nightmares are made of for somebody that's shy.
0: Half a million people line the oh. street in Portland. It takes half of a day. Oh, and uh, it's also on live, live television. So they, they figure another half a million watch it on live TV. And <laughs> we wrote through and we waved. God and the- bless
2: Mike. The thing was, is that
0: they, they have giant speakers set up all through the parade route and it goes all through downtown It takes the whole you know it's like five or six hours total oh, and man! every couple blocks there's a giant speaker so everybody can hear the announcements the entire route, and I, I'm, I'll give you a quote, these things are all burned in my head if you haven't noticed, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Oregon State teacher of the year. He is the Brett f- Begum, he is the first special education teacher to win this award. And people are just the warmth and the love you cannot imagine. And then they say, and riding with him is his husband, Mike truway in a 2014 Camaro convertible. And then they go off in the car. <laughs>
2: oh,
0: but so every couple of blocks oh, all no. through the city, they're announcing this and they're announcing this. So, oh. you know, you see a parade on you, know, and you think parades, so oh, they just kind of go. Well, they don't. Parades don't do that. Parades go a little ways and then they stop uh-huh. and they sit there for a while, right next to like large groups of people. And they're all talking to you. They're shouting to you. Uh-huh. And you got to one section where they hadn't done the announcement yet. And there's a sign on the car that says Teacher of the Year, you know, Brett Bingham. And then Mike and I are sitting there and, and she goes, What this lady stands up and goes, which one of you is the teacher? And Mike points at me and she goes, Well, who are you? And I yell, That's my husband. And she looked and she looked at us, and you could just see her processing. And her whole family, the whole family was sitting there. You know, people like low, you know, they bring their chairs and they all get all set up, and they're all looking at her. And then she starts going clap, 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 clap. And suddenly all her family starts clapping, and then it just spreads out. And it was so amazing to be welcomed like that. And we did not hear one negative thing hmm. the entire trip. The next morning, I show up in my classroom and I get a creepy feeling like, you know, someone's walking over my grave and I turn around and the superintendent of my school district is standing in my doorway. Mm-hmm. She is beet red. There's a vein throbbing in her forehead. And she <laughs> is that phrase. If looks could kill, <gasps> I'd be dead. I tell you. And she just stared and stared and stared. So I finally, I didn't know what to say. I just said, what? I didn't say anything. I only waved and mm-hmm. she poured she mm-hmm. out of my room. And from that moment on. <laughs> From that moment on, I, my days were numbered. They were after me more than ever.
2: Okay, I I have two questions right right here. First of all, is that the same superintendent who initially said, "Oh, I don't understand why you're concerned, like why you think this would be a problem?"
1: Yes. Wow, the turnaround. Yes. Okay,
2: there. like that's yeah. So that's a change.
0: So this is why I my case was so cut and dried. Why the state investigation came out of my favor. I had all this paperwork from my district that had been filled out just months before this because you don't just go be teacher of the year. You get a nomination and then they start interviewing everyone you work with and you get vetted very deeply. And they had to write in writing uh, their case for why they thought I deserved this award. So that superintendent had written, I was the best teacher that the district had ever had.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice thing Pretty to Pretty ringing say. endorsement. Then I'm know.
0: told, then I'm told, if you say you're gay in public, you will be fired. Then I fight back, and suddenly I'm the worst teacher in the world, and they fired me. But there was no grounds for firing. There was mm-hmm. nothing on my record except all of these incredible letters that they had written, so that I would be considered for these awards. So I only have the awards because of my district. But then it was, it ended up being their word against their word.
2: Right. And why
0: suddenly are they going after this guy so heavily when just a few months ago, he was the best teacher that they ever had. And it came down to my superintendent saw what this supervisor had written that I had to turn in my mail and realized that they had been making me do that. She knew that the district had lost the minute she saw those written written orders. Mm -hmm. Her decision was if they destroyed me, they would get through it okay. So they tried to destroy my career, and to make me look like I did something bad in public. And you'd like to think a school district wouldn't do that. But I'm here to say that in this case, they did. We do want to put out here now because this is about when people start googling what the name of this district is and they want to start sending them some nasty messages so <laughs> every single administrator at that school district was fired or removed from their position um i i too was fired but i was put back in my position but the superintendent was fired right after me or right before me excuse me so they fired her they removed the head of special ed they removed the woman who was my supervisor all of these people were taken out of out of it. The only one who remained at the end of my my getting my job back was the one person who had actually done the right thing. He is the one who fired me under orders from the board. <laughs> so he fired me, but he is the only one I have any respect for because he actually did try to be an upstanding person and kind of fight it a little bit.
2: Here's my my other question just at this juncture. But, you know, I feel like, people are being very supportive. I mean, you know, you're talking about this parade and people are just being warm and wonderful. And we all have this vision of, you know, Oregon, as you said, it's a democratic Haven what, you know, all of that. And I feel like the superintendent and I guess your board of ed, like they sort of didn't read the room. They just, I I don't, I'm trying to figure out why they thought that this would be something that they're, the people who voted them in would support.
0: Well, I I don't think they expected me to fight back. I thought they, I think that they must, well, okay. I'll be even clearer than I'm a heart attack survivor. So the year before all of this, I had a Widowmaker heart attack uh, in my classroom. So my health was pretty sketchy at this point. And I was supposed to be like, stand calm and having like a mellow existence. And I, Thoroughly in my heart, think that these people decided if they could stress me out so much, it would destroy my health, and then I would disappear. Wow. And I know that sounds ugly, but these people hold no stops in being ugly. I'll I'll share you, this is an example of of where their minds were and how they saw their position of protecting children. My supervisor was having her wine of the month club delivered to the building where my students are. My students worked in the mailroom, so they had contact with these boxes of liquor, excuse me, wine. So I would go in every day that my students worked in the mailroom, and I would make sure that that box had not arrived. Well, I get called up to her office, and she says, I want your students to start cleaning my office. And I said, absolutely not. And I gestured to her several boxes of wine sitting on her shelf in our administrative building at the school district, where my classroom Mm -hmm. was. And she laughed at me and then ordered me to have my students clean her room. Well, I never allowed it. I I simply would not allow it. But the district, finally, when the union got involved, um, did an investigation. Mm -hmm. And they hired someone to come in and do an investigation. And one of the things they asked me was, why is it such a big deal? They're too retarded to read the box. Wow. So that was, that was my first <sighs> inkling that this was not going to be an investigation that was taking the side of protecting my students. So I get called Contacting in. Protecting your
2: students. It, it's treating your students like they're. Oh,
0: like, God, like I a, like a
1: service. Like.
0: So I get called into the superintendent's office, luckily with my Uniserve, His name is Alan Moore. He is my hero. Mm-hmm. And we are sitting there and the superintendent says, you are going to start going to counseling because you are mentally ill. And I said, what? And she said, because of your constant lying, you were going to go to counseling three nights a week, two hours a night. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. So she flips through this report, you know, this 50 page report on her desk. And she says, it says here that you said Jeannie Zuniga has wine, has liquor in her office. Excuse me. Oh, I, I left something out during the interview with the, the investigator He he said, why does it matter with having Mm -hmm. the wine? And I said, sir, I said, I can't have my students around liquor. That was my response. Mm -hmm. So the reason I'm being ordered to counseling is because, and I, I wish I was kidding. I wish this was a joke, but it absolutely is not. The superintendent looked me in the face and said, wine is not distilled, and therefore it is not considered liquor. And you will go to counseling for this lie, or you will no longer be with this district.
2: Oh it's just—it's just
0: the
1: ultimate pettiness. Like,
2: it's not even pettiness. This is—it's—it's—it's—it's
1: it's, it's, it's just. Yeah, it,
2: it's targeted. Yes, you know, pettiness to me, pettiness is like, okay, you're—you you, know—you say potato, I say potato. Yeah, kind of thing. This is targeted. <laughs> uh, 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 trying to get him to break. They're, they're, yeah, it's—it's—it's this, it's,
1: it's this like very base level meanness that's being justified by this this petty pedantic like bullshit. And it's, it's just, I can't even process wow. like how fucked up that is. Well, that was
0: uh, what that ended up being though, for me was, it was that straw, you know, that broke mm-hmm. the camel's back and, and mind you, so I had, I was about to file complaints. I called the union in because um, what they also did was give me an order that, uh, so mind you, my classroom was a medically fragile classroom. I had two full-time nurses in my room. We called 911, Uh, quite often to my room because my kids were medically fragile. Mm -hmm. I was told by my supervisor that I would be fired if I went into my classroom during my prep period, my planning period, or any of my breaks. That comes out to two and a half hours of the day. So I'm being ordered that I'm not allowed in my room for two and a half hours of the school day.
2: What was the justification for that?
0: Because I was, I wasn't getting my student free break time. However, I was the only teacher in the building, so there is no teacher on record and no teacher to manage my staff when I'm not allowed in the room. Uh-huh. So I refused. I said, and they were moving my office to the opposite end of the building down a locked hallway, so I would be as far away from my classroom as I could get. And again, I felt at the time they were creating an unsafe situation to force an error in my classroom. So I wrote to the school board and said, the actions of the superintendent are putting my students' lives at risk. I will not comply with this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Amen. They packed up my desk, my computer, everything got packed up. So then I started getting in trouble because my paperwork was late. And I say, well, unpack my computer. I'd be happy to do it here at my desk, but I'm not, <laughs> leaving, my, I'm not leaving my room without a teacher. And, uh, oh. you know, at that point, uh, there, there was... There was no hope. And once she said the comment about the wine and the liquor, I left that meeting that night. I went home. I filed state and federal complaints against the district because I realized at that point, up until then, they had been hunting me. And mm-hmm. I was fighting back and I felt like I was still on my feet and, you know, I, I was still standing. They were now going after my students. They were mm-hmm. now doing things that were going to impact or hurt my students to get at me. And that is when I realized, okay, it is time for me to stop playing this defensive thing of just you know, trying to get myself through it. And I realized I had to stand up to protect my children.
2: We had so much great content from our conversation with Brett that we decided to present it to you in two parts. This was part one. Part two will be available in two weeks on February 21st. If you'd like to reach out All of the pod's contact information can be found in the episode notes. A special thank you today to Max Siskind for doing our new intro. See you in two weeks with part two of our interview with Brett Bigham. In the meantime, stay safe and remember to breathe.